So bad. So bad. I think I think what you could go through you could you could say Galladay right now is the biggest miss, but there are some other contenders here. Um DeAndre Baker. That's a <laughs> De- big DeAndre miss. Baker might be That's a pretty that's a pretty big miss. I would put him in the conversation for biggest yeah. miss. Revisiting the big hits and misses from Dave Gettleman's tenure and as it pertains to the current Giants roster. You're not going to want to miss that. It's coming up later in the show. Really fun little segment. But first and foremost, it's the Giants Wire podcast. Welcome into the show. Just a uh, quick reminder off the jump here that you could support us by hitting the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, uh, whatever's best for you. Just search for the Giants Wire. We appreciate all of you Giants fans. And let's be honest. We know you Giants fans are giddy as hell right now sitting at 3-1, as you should be. Glad to have you aboard the show. I'm Ryan O'Leary here, joined as always by Dan Benton of the USA Today's Giants Wire. Dan, how are you feeling right now about your football team? I, I don't. I think as, as a Giants writer, as a Giants fan, I don't think you could be more pleased than you are. Uh, I think the sour note, obviously, is losing to a Dallas Cowboys team that you probably should have beaten, but... Three and one, I don't think anybody could have predicted that coming into the season. You know, what the next month's stretch holds remains to be seen, but there's plenty of reasons for Giants fans to be happy and optimistic right now about the direction the team is headed, the injuries be damned. Here's something Giants fans, Dan, have not heard since, oh my God, we got to go back to the Tom Coughlin days. The Giants coached circles around the opposition on Sunday, right? These are two very similar teams, as we talked last week on the episode, uh, they want to attack in the exact same way. I mean, the Giants attempted 16 passes in this ball game, rushed it 44 times. Now, I know there were some injuries there, and there was some a certain player playing quarterback at the end, so that played into it. But again, the Giants, 16 passes, 44 runs. The Bears had 22 passes, 32 runs. The difference was the Giants rushed for 262 yards, and they targeted some of the Bears' inexperience on defense, I think, right, with some of the play action, the boot action, the stuff with Daniel Jones. He had, like, a third of the field to run. Like, he was waltzing down the field, Dan. Like, some of the stuff they schemed up. That's day ball, man. That's freaking, that's the coaching. So, I don't know how you could watch that game and not be impressed by what the Giants are doing, given their limitations on the roster, as you were writing on Giants Wire this week, basically just scheming around the wide receivers, leaving the wide receivers out of the uh, game plan, (laughs) and still winning a ball game, and then you throw in all the injuries and Saquon Barkley playing quarterback and then Daniel Jones coming back in on one foot and they're still moving the ball and killing the clock. I mean, this was a a situation where you look at it and say, holy crap, how good does it feel to have real coaching? How good does it feel to be like a tight, you know, disciplined team that knows situations and know how to handle things when things go wrong, right? That's what the Giants are now. It's kind of refreshing to see. It is refreshing, and it's it's been a long time coming for the Giants. Um, and, and it's on both sides of the ball, really. Listen, say whatever you want about their special teams. They're definitely underperforming, but Thomas McGahee is an excellent coach. I don't think anybody would deny that. Um, defensively, Wick Martindale, he's he's a genius. He's just a defensive genius. He's been great. You, you watch the film, and, and the situational awareness of his players is off the charts. His situational awareness in the play calling is off the charts. And then on the offensive side of the ball, obviously you got the head coach in Dayball who has everybody prepared. But you got to give credit where credit's due, and Mike Kafka's killing it out there. They ran that um, same play three times. The first time that play went to Saquon, he had a good gain, but they noticed that the entire Chicago Bears defense didn't even pay attention to Daniel Jones <laughs> after that handoff. So then they ran the two naked bootlegs both times. No one was even looking for it. So the Giants actually ran that play three times to success, and that's a credit to Dave, uh, Dayball and, and Kafka paying attention, 
making the adjustments on the fly as they're happening, not wait until halftime like some other coaches in recent memory. And, um, yeah, it really worked out for the Giants. And it, obviously it went on beyond just those naked bootlegs. Uh, the team was tremendous late in the game when both quarterbacks went out. They didn't miss a beat. As they said, they didn't flinch. Uh, they were basically drawn up plays in the dirt. It was backyard football, uh, but they handled the situation. The offensive line really improving and run blocking. Obviously could still work, use some work in pass protection. But the Giants are playing to their strengths and against their opponents' weaknesses. And through four weeks of the season, it's worked out really well. The fact, Dan, after Tyrod comes in and gets hurt, poor Tyrod Taylor. He's a, you know, he finally gets back in a game. He's healthy. Now he's hurt again, of course. Poor Tyrod. But uh, when Tyrod goes out, and all of a sudden Saquon's like, oh, crap, I'm, am I the quarterback? And the fact that the Giants knew what to do, Saquon knew how to get the play, because he probably doesn't have the like the microphone in his helmet, right? Like he, he no, no, that yeah. was it was still Daniel Jones relaying the plays in the huddle, but yeah, okay, okay, yeah. So they knew yeah. how to like relay the play and do the thing when he, he was in those wildcat snaps, right? Mm-hmm. They knew how to get the play in, run the play, like that's just situational football, right? And, yeah, and it just it and it, to see the operation not really flinch there uh, was really fun to see. It's just good stuff. Again, it comes back to the coaching and. You know, one point you made on on Giants Wire that I thought was a really good one, Dan, that I want you to talk about a little bit is that the Giants have three guys basically that are just carrying you on offense. It's it's DJ, it's just playing his ass off and doing whatever, and you know whatever. If I don't, if we're not going to throw the ball, I'll run for sixty eight yards and two touchdowns and basically you know kill myself in the process and get hurt. Uh, and then obviously Saquon is the best running back in the uh, in football right now. I don't think there's there's much debating that. And Andrew Thomas is one of the best left tackles in football right now. And those, those three, yeah, yeah. Right and those three are kind of carrying you, and it's hard to find other names to put on uh, on the list, Dan, as you wrote on Giants Wire. It, it is strange to watch the Giants function right now. Everybody wants to, you know, nitpick and say, well, the Giants offense really isn't that good. Well, they got three guys. <laughs> They're playing with three guys out there right now. And um, I know nobody wants to give Daniel Jones credit, but like you just said, the kid is playing his rear end off. He's doing – whatever it takes to score, whatever it takes to move the ball, whatever it takes to win. And, you know, you could criticize the statistics, uh, you know, all day long. You know, this is, these are the same people who would dismiss his statistics a year ago and the year prior because, oh, the Giants weren't winning. You know, it's essentially three guys carrying the offense right now. And it's, it's, it's kind of wild to see because where they're playing, their level of play, and then the level of play of those around them, that, that gap is massive right now. Do you think uh, Jones, like, where? how is Jones and Barkley endearing themselves to the new coaches, Dan? Do you think they're, like, is it too soon to, like, start talking, like, their future with the team? Or do you think they're starting to endear themselves to the coaching staff? It's a really interesting question because there's a lot of speculation about, well, if you keep Barkley, do you have to keep Jones and vice versa? Do you split those two up? Um, it is an interesting conversation, and the fact that, it even is a conversation speaks to how well both of them are playing right now. And again, you can nitpick the statistics for Jones all you want to. Uh, the bottom line is those two are playing exceptional football. Um, they're winning games. And I do think that it's late enough in the season now where the evaluation process has begun. And granted, the Giants are out there and they're certainly scouting uh, quarterbacks. That's their job. That's what they're supposed to do. But I think the question has arisen do we maybe find a way to give Daniel Jones another year? Now we've got a long, long way to go this season uh, before that decision is is made. Um, Him being injured again certainly doesn't help his cause because that's been, 
you know, uh, an issue for him his yep. entire career. Yep. And I don't want to, you know, criticize him too much for getting injured. The way he got injured on Sunday, eh, you know, he, it was a it was a weird tackle where he got twisted up underneath the defender. It could happen anytime, uh, but you can't deny the fact that it has been an issue for him. But ultimately, to answer your question more specifically, yeah, I think I think they've reached a point now where they're looking at this and saying, you know, maybe we can actually win with these two. But again, the key for both of them is staying healthy, and Daniel Jones has already fallen short in that regard. Yeah, that's that is an interesting conversation that we'll keep coming back to throughout the season. I think. And, and speaking of a, a fun conversation, we tease this: uh, Dave Gettleman's hits and misses. We're going to go back to the well, Dan. We're going to go look at Gettleman's drafts, free agent signings, and trades, and compile his hits and misses and see how bad he really did because. There are some Gettleman guys that are really helping the Giants right now. I think that's going to be a really fun conversation. We're going to do that here coming up next. But first, our friends over at the huddle.com have fantasy plays of the week. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. The first month of the fantasy football season is now behind us. I'm Corey Benini with the huddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number five. Quarterback Derek Carr, Las Vegas Raiders at Kansas City Chiefs. The Raiders put their backs against the wall with an 0-3 start, and if they have any chance of keeping in the mix for the AFC West, it begins with beating Kansas City on Monday night. The Chiefs have allowed 2.5 touchdown passes per game thus far, which is tied for the most in football. Only 1 in 175 attempts has been intercepted, and just 4 teams have given up more yardage through the air to the position. This matchup is 23.4% easier than the league average, and Carr has the weapons to get the job done. Running back Ramondre Stevenson versus the Detroit Lions. This matchup is tremendous for success on the ground, and the Patriots are in line to lean heavily on the rushing attack if quarterback Bailey Zappi ends up starting. Detroit is granted a rushing score every 11 attempts, which is the highest frequency by more than 5 carries. 8 times a running back has carried the run into the end zone, and the 116.8 ground yards per game sits as the sixth highest figure in football. Stevenson makes for a quality start in any fantasy setting. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver Devin DuVernay versus the Cincinnati Bengals. He was targeted a season high five times last week, catching four for 51, but he failed to score a touchdown for the first time in 2022 if you include a special teams TD in the mix. He has at least 6.2 PPR points in each game, and that's if you remove the touchdown, and the vertical threat is worthy of a gamble in deep leagues. The Bengals haven't given up much to receivers in 2022, but the Ravens are one of the most explosive offenses, and five different receivers have posted at least 12 PPR points against the Bengals this season. Tight end Tyler Conklin, New York Jets versus Miami Dolphins. The big question surrounding Conklin entering week four was what kind of involvement would he see with Zach Wilson returning to the lineup. All things considered, the former Viking was targeted enough to keep him relevant. His five looks produced three catches for 52 yards. Not exactly what you want to see, but it's not like he went from eight looks per game under Joe Flacco down to two. One aspect worth noting is the yards per reception went up, including the average depth of target going from 2.8 to 8 under Wilson. More importantly, Miami has surrendered crazy volume to tight ends in 2022, ranking as the easiest opponent for catches and number three for yardage generated. While only one in every 15 completions has found the end zone, there's plenty of PPR upside to chase here. For more award-winning tips, news, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 
All right, Dan, I'm excited for this segment. We wanted to go back and recap Dave Gettleman's hits and misses. We're going to look at trades. We're going to look at free agent signings. We're going to look at the draft uh, because there are a lot of Dave Gettleman guys. You know, he was with the he was the GM for the team for four years. There's, he made a lot of moves, obviously, especially in 2018 when he arrived. He made a bunch of moves, but uh, there are a lot of guys still on the roster. And uh, we just figured it would be a fun exercise to see, you know, where where he hit, where he missed. And I think there's three buckets, right? There's the obvious hits, the obvious misses, and then the guys that are up for debate. Uh, where should we start? You, you, where, do we, where do you want to start, Dan? Which buckets should we start with? You want to start with the obvious ones? You want to start with the, the big hits that we think Dave Gettleman made? Yeah, let's start. I was going to say maybe we could start with the misses with Kenny Galladay out okay. with the sprained MCL. Okay, that's, to- that's, that's topical. That's topical. Yeah, that's, so. a, that's a glaring... That's a glaring miss through one plus season so yeah. far. Darius and Slayton, our, Sills, Richie James, Galladay, yeah. three catches for 25 yards on Sunday, Dan. That, that was your wide receiver production. That's rough to succeed that way. And I think um, I, I think the most glaring miss of Gettleman's entire tenure is that Galladay contract. 70, $72 million for a guy that most teams, from what we gather from the reporting, uh, weren't offering more than a one-year deal because they were still concerned about his hip, which – you know, the rumors are that Dave Gettleman essentially just dismissed. And um, Galladay has zero touchdowns for the Giants through, you know, what is it? However many games he's played over the year plus. And then this year has two receptions for 22 yards. So bad. So bad. I think I think what you could go through, you could you could say Galladay right now is the biggest miss. But there are some other contenders here. Um, DeAndre Baker. That's a De- DeAndre miss. Baker might be that's a pretty that's a pretty big miss. I would put him in the conversation for biggest yeah. miss, uh, but it might it might be those two guys. There are other ones that you know. I think we do have like you know we're going to talk about a few that are up for debate. Kadarius Tony, I think he's more on the miss side than even the up for debate side, just because he can't get on the field and he was a first round pick and he should be you know given the way this roster is, Kadarius Tony should be your number one wide receiver right now and he's not. And uh, he's still not on the field, and I would put him in the miss category right now, Dan, with with the caveat that maybe he could move. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. I don't know that it, it's really hard to debate Kadarius Tony because you, when he is on the field, you see just how electric that talent actually is. Mm. The problem is, is not just the injuries. There's a lot of questions about his willingness to practice, uh, you know, his willingness to get into the playbook. And things like that. Obviously, Dayball has kind of dismissed that, but that could very well just be coach speak. Uh, the bottom line is the kid barely practices, he barely plays, and how good can a, a player ever be if that's the kind of production you get out of them? And that's a first-round pick. And as Gettleman used to say, first-round picks, they're supposed to be gold jacket guys. And uh, let's just be honest, Kadarius Tony at this moment is not that. Did Gettleman sit down with Tony and talk to him and feel like this guy really wants to be a giant? He really wants to help us turn this thing around and how that conversation. Can you imagine Gettleman and Tony having a conversation? I, I, I would know. like to be a fly on the <laughs> yeah, wall for that, that would conversation. Be maybe the funnest thing to witness if that actually happened. I just, I don't know if it did. I think the Giants might have traded back and said, oh, let's get this Kadarius Tony kid. I, I don't know if Gettleman ever sat down and talked to this kid and really said, you're going to be a gold jacket guy for the future of the Giants and help us turn this thing around. I just, uh, again, yeah, fly on the wall. Um, Misses, Darius Slayton, Dan. I got. I have him in a miss category. It, yeah, I hate to put him in the miss category just because he was so successful his rookie season. But boy, has he really fallen off since then? And you know, the drops and key moments has, have become what defines him. In um, the limited opportunities he gets, he saw it again this past weekend. 
So, I, I mean, if I was forced to, to put him in one of those categories, unfortunately, as much as I'd hate to do it because I like Slayton on a personal level too, um, but production-wise, he has a miss at this point. I'm going to rattle a few off, Dan, and just let you comment just to save some time. Like Will Hernandez, I had in the misses. Uh, Nate Solder. You know, Alec Ogletree, I'm not sure how you feel about him, but I had him in the yeah. miss category just because I don't think he really lived up to you know yeah. that contract. He had a big contract when they traded for him, right? He didn't really live up to that. And then I think I they th- reworked it if memory serves okay. me. Right. But okay. But yeah, he, yeah. he didn't, you know, it's not like he lit up the world or anything like that. And I know there was a lot of storylines going on and maybe there was a fracture and maybe it wasn't working out with uh, this player in the team, but trading JPP, uh, I, I got to call that a miss just because of the production oh, that yeah, JPP that had with the Bucks and the Super Bowl. Well, the Giants traded him not necessarily for salary cap relief or anything like that. They they genuinely thought he was done. In, in their mind, JPP was finished. And well, as we've seen, that clearly was a, a, a clearly was a, a miss. He certainly wasn't done. I'd argue that he's still not done, even though it took him a little while to sign on this year. Um, but he still had plenty left in the tank. And, and, you know, almost fittingly, the Giants struggled through, you know, lacking true quality edge rushers for quite some time after that trade. So, yeah, I, I would argue that that was a uh, it was a that was a poor decision, a damaging trade. And just one more honorable mention on the misses category, just because 2018 was such a polarizing quarterback draft, right? Like you had Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen and some of these picks, but you also had Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. So it was really a polarizing draft. And the uh, Giants did pick a quarterback. It was in the fourth round, Kyle Laletta. I think he's uh, playing in the USFL now, Dan. So yeah, that's an honorable yeah. mention, Miss, because you wasted a fourth round pick, Dave. On, uh, yeah, on through, through a couple of general managers there, the Giants like to take those mid-round developmental <laughs> quarterbacks. They were trying to do what Belichick did, you know, take those mid to late round quarterbacks, mm-hmm. develop them, and then trade them off. The only problem was the Giants never developed them or traded them off. So yep. they, were, they essentially just turned into wasted picks. 100%. So those those are kind of our, our top obvious misses. Now, I know the Giants fans listening probably are noticing some names missing from that list. We'll get to that here coming up. Hits, Dan, I'm going to rattle these off. These are ones that we should be tipping our cap to Gettleman for because they're playing key roles and they're kind of studs on the Giants. We mentioned Andrew Thomas. He's obviously a hit. Your safety, Xavier McKinney, who you picked in the second round. Just a great pick. Uh, And Julian Love, obvious hits. Dexter Lawrence is a stud, a first-round pick. Leonard Williams, all the flack that the Giants got for mm-hmm. trading a couple of uh, what was a mid round draft picks. One was a conditional yeah. fifth. I think it was a third the, and a conditional. You know, they'll fifth. still make the argument that, oh, you, you could have waited just to sign you know, yeah. Leonard Williams in free agency the following year. There's no guarantee in that. A guarantee, the trade is the guarantee. And it was proven to be exceptionally good to trade for the Giants, uh, even, you know, in the aftermath of Gettleman's, you know, reign as general manager. Uh, he He's arguably the best. Well, entering the season, he was arguably the best player on the defensive side of the ball. You could make the argument now that Dexter Lawrence, another one who was a, a draft pick that was heavily criticized because he wasn't a three-down player. If you remember, that was the criticism, um, you know, is arguably now the Giants' best, not just the Giants' best defensive player, but arguably playing at an all-pro level right now. Uh, so both of those defensive linemen have proven to be exceptionally valuable for the Giants. And, you know, that provide, you know proved that Dave Gettleman had at least some foresight. Some of the other moves, like Leonard Williams was a move, right? He traded for Williams. He signed mm-hmm. a Dory Jackson, who, you know, we a big lightning rod topic for us last year on the show, Dan, was James Bradbury, what was happening with him. And uh, uh, I think a Dory Jackson's play is a big reason why James Bradbury is an eagle right now, right? Because he is, you're, you, he is like 
playing like a lockdown number one corner for the Giants. I don't think there's any question there. And, you know, I think we all like the the draft pick of Aziz Ojolari. Ojolari I'm sorry, Aziz. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aziz. You know, he's got some promise. You can't lose sight of the fact that he set the Giants all-time franchise rookie sack record. Um, you know, he missed some time this year because of a calf injury, kind of held him back a little bit. But, you know, his sack numbers aren't through the roof in the, in the time that he's been back on the field. But he's consistently putting pressure on the quarterback and drawing penalties. I, I think, you know, his ceiling is very, very high. It really is. It's very high. So Ojolari, Adoree Jackson, Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Julian Love, Xavier McKinney, Andrew Thomas. Uh, I think these are players that, Dayball was very happy, and Joe Shane, they were very happy to inherit these players, Dan. These are, these are really good players that are going to uh, be key for this Giants roster as they try to turn things around, right? Uh, we do have some players that are up for debate, though. And let's start with Daniel Jones. Let's start with Daniel Jones, the lightning rod. Uh, um, so I know that you are a Daniel Jones uh, supporter, Dan. You usually fight the critics. Again, people should listen to last week's show. Dan had a very impassioned a Daniel Jones rant where he had stats to back it up. And it's just, please go listen to that episode. If you haven't caught it yet, it's good stuff. Um, Dan, I'm going to play the other side of, of Daniel Jones, right? Cause I have a feeling where you're going to land on this. Um, so how, how do we call DJ a hit, right? When he was drafted number six, he's been very inconsistent in his career, right? Missed a ton of games due to injuries. As you've mentioned, he's had way too many turnovers and they, they continue to, to pop up here even this year we had one where we're like in the end zone where we were just like oh my god it was the worst throw we've seen him make yeah that's um, a bad one the team didn't pick up his fifth year option right and dayball has even admitted that he can't evaluate the kid based on where the roster is right now so if he hasn't proven that he is the guy in year four and he's still trying to like win over the coaching staff as a sixth overall pick how can we call him a hit i think that's the argument against it but can you can you give me the argument for jones to be a hit that's a Boy, that's a tough one. It's a tough one. As much as it is a tough one. And, as and as you I know what? Like if he's a miss, we could put him in the miss category. I, I, I that's the problem. I don't necessarily. I don't necessarily. I wouldn't call him a hit or a miss. I, I think that John Mara said it best. You know, they they put him in the worst possible scenario, and even with good coaching, I mean, you see what he's able to do with good coaching. But the problem remains that there's nothing around him, and that's what makes it so impossible to evaluate Jones. He's, even if as we sit here right now and we're like. Let's make it black and white. Is he a hit or miss? We can't. <laughs> I'm a Daniel Jones supporter. I can't put him in the hit category. But I don't think that objectively you could put him in the miss category either. And I know some people would be quick to want to do that. Um, but how do you evaluate what you've seen out of him so far? Now, this year you could see that his game has evolved and it has changed. And that, you know, listen, he's throwing some of the mo- you know the highest percentage of on-target balls in, in football Granted, the Giants aren't really stretching the field, but is that his fault? They don't have anybody that can stretch the field. They don't have anybody that can separate. Four of their five offensive linemen are in the bottom five of pass protection in the NFL. It's like, so how do you how do you go about uh, you know evaluating this guy other than just looking at what he's able to do on the fly? And if you look at last week, I think that you know that proves what kind of athlete he is, what he's capable of doing. His teammates love him. He's clearly a good leader. I mean, Saquon will, you know, sing that from the mountaintops if you listen to him. Yep. But again, whether it's his fault or not, you you can't put him in the hit category. You just can't. If Dan Benton can't put DJ in the hit category, then you know there, this is a real debate. So I think it's a to be continued, Dan. I think I would lean towards the miss right now, just because of where he was drafted and where he is now in year four, but I would say 
if he does win over Dayball and Dayball thinks he can win with this kid and they do some type of bridge to, to extend this relationship a little bit longer and he's with the Giants past this year, I'd start to I would probably move him to the hit column. If if Dayball wants to move forward with him and he does feel like he's got the evaluation, he's like, I can win with Daniel Jones. And the Giants do, and they start turning things around, and Jones is the quarterback. He's the hit. He's a hit. He moves. But I guess we would have to lean this. But to be continued on Daniel Jones, fans, yeah. are, fans are probably screaming at us right now. I think, that I, yeah, of course they are. They're screaming Naturally at us. Naturally they are. But I, I think what's fascinating about that is even when you go back to that draft and you look at all the names that you had just rattled off, Baker Mayfield, I would <laughs> rather have Daniel Jones than Baker Mayfield. Yes. I would rather have Daniel Jones than Sam Darnold than Josh yes. Rosen. Yes. And, and you know, listen, everybody wants to talk about, well, look at Josh Allen. Well, there's two things there. Nobody thought that Josh Allen was at the top of that quarterback class. The few that did were the exception to the rule and not the rule itself. And Lamar Jackson, listen, I got a lot of criticism for saying Lamar Jackson was the best quarterback in that draft. Good call. Um, <laughs> turned out to be the case, but not very many people thought of it or saw it that way at the time. They just you know, thought he was a poor man's Michael Vick. But still, when you look at that quarterback class, you take away those two, and you got Josh Allen at the top who essentially – you know, came into his own once the Bills went out and got a good player for him to throw to and Stefan Diggs and did so with Brian Dayball, who's working well with Jones right now. Um, so, you know, there, there's that kind of crossover there when it comes to that. And I'm not saying that Daniel Jones is ever going to be on Josh Allen's level. Josh Allen's an elite player or one of a kind kind of player. When you go back to that draft and you look at them, you look at Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, you know, nobody, nobody really saw it playing out that way. Everybody assumed that Josh Rosen, was going to be the best quarterback or that Mayfield would be the best quarterback or that Darnold was, you know, heads and tails above Daniel Jones. And that has proven not to be the case. Yeah. It's easy now as fans to go back to 2018 and say, what are you doing, Dave? You shouldn't have taken Saquon number two. You should have taken Josh Allen. Right? It's easy to say that now, but I don't think a lot of people had Josh Allen going number two overall. Uh, now the bills did move up to get him at number seven, right? So good for the bills. They were, they, they nailed that. Uh, I do look at that 2018 draft, Dan, and I was looking back at it last night, prepping for the show a little bit, and it's like, oh my God, we talked about DeAndre Baker earlier. The Giants could have had Saquon Barkley, Dexter Lawrence, and LeBar Jackson in that first round of the 2018 draft if they would have moved up to get Jackson instead of Baker. Holy crap, that would have been... Dave Gettleman would still be here, Dan, wearing his Celtics tracksuit with a cigar in his mouth, like, how you like me now? We're winning Super Bowls, maybe. Holy crap. Uh, But that brings us to Saquon, right? Maybe the most polarizing pick Gettleman ever made. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe more so than Jones in 2019, right? He picked Saquon number two overall. Uh, Gettleman just loves those running backs, right? He did the same thing with the Panthers. He picked Christian McCaffrey in the top 10. He picked Saquon Barkley in the number two. Number two overall. He doesn't care about the uh, positional value, Dan. He doesn't care. He loves running backs. And he picked Saquon Barkley. But, you know, when the reason a lot of teams don't make that kind of selection, even with the talent, is because... Running backs get hurt. Running backs are, you know, you can tend to find production later in the draft. In free agency, you can typically plug guys in. But the way he's playing now, we mentioned he's the best running back in football right now as we speak. You know, the talent is like, well, maybe the talent is worth that pick now when you see how special he is and how he's changing the offense, right? So it remains a very polarizing pick, Saquon Barkley, number two overall in 2018. Well, I also think what's interesting about that debate is is you go back again to that same quarterback draft class that year. And the argument was always going to be, you know, if they didn't take, you know, Saquon, you know, which quarterback would they have taken? And it's easy to say now, 
you know, they would have taken uh, Lamar Jackson or, uh, you know, whatever. But at the time, it was it was Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold. That was the argument. Screw that, man. And, <laughs> and are the Giants really worse off with Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones than they would have been with, you know, Josh Rosen and whoever else? I mean, I think that kind of speaks for itself, doesn't it? That's a good point. I, you know, every, everybody can look back in hindsight and say, oh, well, they should have taken Josh Allen and they would have been great. You know, who cares about Saquon? They could have passed on Daniel Jones a year later. They would have had their franchise quarterback. But again, nobody, nobody was able to see into the future back then. And the few that were great, you know, you can stand up on your high horse and, and, and claim that you knew it all along. Uh, but I'll take Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones over Josh Rosen and whatever random running back you throw in there or Sam Darnold and whatever running back you throw in there, or even Baker Mayfield and whatever. Granted, the Giants didn't have a shot at Baker Mayfield, but just from saying out of the group that was considered the top three, you know, give me Saquon and Daniel Jones over them all day long. Uh, So was Saquon, you know, maybe picked a little too high at number two overall? You don't really see that anymore. Yeah, I mean, you could make that argument. I also think the landscape of football is changing a little bit. You know, the pendulum is swinging back in the other direction. And now you've got these really speedy, you know, linebackers, you know, that are meant to be, you know, excel in coverage and things like that. And now people are going back to the power run. And you see it not just with the Giants this year, but across the NFL, where the power run is starting to take back over the game. Granted, the defenses will eventually adjust and the pendulum will swing back. But for now, when you look at a healthy Saquon Barkley in the way the NFL is playing this year offensively, you know. Sounding like a hit? Again, like Daniel Jones, it's provided that he stays healthy, though. Yeah, I thought you. I thought you made some some really good points there, and it, it's it's just fun to be on the fan side of it, Dan. Where in twenty twenty two, we can look back and be like, God, should have picked Josh Allen. What were you thinking? Or you should have taken Lamar Jackson over DeAndre Baker. What were you thinking, Dave Gettleman? Right. It's fun to do well, that yeah, four or five years yeah, later. It's it's rough to look back on that. That, <laughs> that one hurts. DeAndre yeah, that Baker. one's uh, that's, again. That's in the yeah. that's in the conversation for yeah, the, the biggest thanks. misses. Yep. Of, of Gettleman's tenure. A couple others that I thought were to be continued, maybe up for debate. O'Shane uh, Zimenez, uh, you know, a little bit. Like, we weren't sure about him early, but now he's starting for you. Uh, and he's t- he seems like he's... And he's playing well. He's a yeah, pretty good player. Well. Yeah, pretty good player. So we'll, we'll see a couple offensive linemen that can't stay healthy. Matthew Pert and Shane Lemieux. We'll see. Um, and, and Mr. Irrelevant. One of, you were writing about him on Giants Wire this week, Dan, or you guys were. Tay Crowder. Tay Crowder, Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, the last guy picked in the draft, Gettleman snagged him. It was, it was like 255 overall. And Tay yeah. Crowder had a hell of a game in week four against the Bears, right? He played pretty damn well. So uh, maybe Tay He's, Crowder will end up being a hit. Again, you go back to that argument with, with Saquon Barkley. Is Saquon Barkley a miss because of where he's picked, despite his talent? Well, I would say on the opposite end of that spectrum then, Tay Crowder, last pick in the in the 2020 NFL draft, I'd say he is far exceeding not bad. expectations based on that. Now, I'm not saying that his game is perfect. It's certainly got some flaws. There's no doubt about it. And I'd have to go back and look at the numbers, but I'd say he's probably the best Mr. Irrelevant who's ever played the game. And I think there's something to be said for that. Again, you know, what when you look at the opposite end of the end of the spectrum, you'd have to say, well, then yeah, he's an he's an absolute hit as, as the last pick in the seventh round in the draft. Not just because of you know the fact that he's playing so much and and starting for an NFL defense, it's because he actually does play well. Not all the time, but you know enough that it's impactful. No, Dan, you have to put that on Giants Wire. That headline: Tay Crowder is the best Mister Irrelevant in NFL history. Right there, that's going to be that, that'll get some hits. That'll get some hits on yeah. Giants Wire. There's no doubt about it. So, what's the conclusion here? 
we know we just had a pretty good conversation about Gettleman's hits misses. Uh, we there's some obvious hits that were kind of home runs. There are some big big time blunders. Kenny Galladay at the top of that list, as we mentioned, DeAndre Baker and some others. Uh, what's the conclusion here, Dan? Is Dave Gettleman getting a bad rap? People think Dave Gettleman was just like they he just screwed over the franchise. But again, when you look at this lineup and the Giants are playing pretty well with new coaching and the way Andrew Thomas is dominating, you got Xavier McKinney and Julian Love, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Adoree Jackson, Aziz Ojolari, like good players on the roster that are going to be here, hopefully. Is Gettleman getting a bad rap out there? It's an unbalanced rap is, is what I would say. There was a, there's a lot of bad. There was a lot of bad. There was a lot of losing. There was also a lot of really terrible coaching. Yes. And we're seeing what's happening with quality coaching. They're, Dayball and company are turning some of Gettleman's misses into hits. And that speaks more about Joe Judge, Pat Shermer, than it does, and there goes the chicken again, than it does about, you know, than it does about Gettleman himself. He's part of the show, Dan. He is part of the show now. But, you know, there were a lot of, there were a lot of really damaging misses. And if Daniel Jones turns out to be a miss, doesn't stay with the Giants after the season, I ultimately think that's what's going to define Gettleman overall. Um, because he said it himself, if they miss on Daniel Jones, they've set the franchise back seven years, eight years, nine years, potentially 10 years. And, you know, we're, we're several years into it now. And, uh, you know, the giants are only just now beginning to crawl out of it, albeit with Daniel Jones. So I I think ultimately Daniel Jones's future and his fate is what's going to decide overall how things look for Gettleman. But I think right now, I think he gets a really kind of unbalanced you know, wrapped to the bad side, to the negative side. And there's a lot of criticism that has completely warranted Galladay topping that list, DeAndre Baker near the top of that <laughs> list. So they're really bad decisions. Nate Solder, big mm-hmm. contract, although, listen, at the time, I think everyone would have agreed that was a necessary evil. It just turned out way worse than anybody could have anticipated. Yep. And part of that had to do with personal reasons that had nothing to do with football itself. So there are a lot of factors that go into deciding on these hits and misses and how Gettleman fared overall. Uh, I just don't necessarily believe that in terms of personnel, it's as bad as some would make it out to believe, although the misses were really, really bad. Daniel Jones, to be continued. Sorry for those that have him in the miss column. Uh, you know, we're, we're to be continued here on this show, and we're, we're still wondering, is Jones going to be able to play? Who's going to play quarterback for the Giants? Is it going to be Saquon Barkley? Is he going to play quarterback, Dan? Because it can't be Jake Fromm, who they worked out this week. So we'll talk about that and the Giants heading to London to play Green Bay right after this. This is the typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, everyone. This is Nathan with the Bet Slippin' Podcast. Be sure to check us and our sportsbook writer, Tipico, out. All odds are provided by our friends at Tipico. Tipico Sportsbook is a global betting leader. New users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply 21 plus. See the site for details. So the Raiders and Chiefs have Monday night football. The Raiders are plus seven and are starting to figure things out offensively, rushing for over 200 yards against Denver. They have a couple elite offensive playmakers and the Chiefs opponent's completion percentage is the second worst in the league at just over 70%. In both games, the Chiefs have played outside of a two-score finish. No opposing rusher has had over 30 yards on their own. The Raiders should look much better and should be able to hold this within a touchdown. Give me Las Vegas plus seven. 
That was your Tipico Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See Tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back. The Giants are eight-point underdogs against Green Bay in a neutral site game in London, Dan. And I just it's kind of a rough week to have quarterback uncertainty, isn't it? It's kind of a rough week to have Daniel Jones hurt. It's kind of a tough week to have Tyrod Taylor hurt. It's always a tough week to be working out Jake Fromm and A.J. McCarron and all these guys. The Giants, the Giants are trying to figure out who their quarterback's going to be. And I just feel like logistically it, it throws a little wrinkle into it when you have to play in London this week. Uh, so give me a take on the Giants uncertainty at quarterback. I'm sure that's a big reason why they're, they're, you know, huge underdogs in a neutral side game against green Bay, because green Bay would be favored either way. I'm not saying that, but it's not like the Packers are this great football team right now. They're averaging less points per game than the Giants, if you can believe it, (laughs) but they're still eight point dogs because nobody knows who the quarterback's going to be. I don't know who the quarterback's going to be at this point. Well, who's going to tell me that? Obviously by the, but yeah, by the time fans are listening to this, that may have been settled. Uh, but as of this recording, that's that's definitely not settled. The, uh, you know, Tyrod Taylor remains in concussion protocol. Daniel Jones has a sprained ankle. The fear is that it's a high ankle sprain, although Dayball won't say. Well, that's not good. Uh, Davis, yeah, Davis Webb likely coming to the active roster. Probably going to get the start if either, neither of those guys can go. I can't imagine a scenario in which they allow Taylor to play after everything that just happened to Tua. Yes. Um, so I, I would basically just cross him off for this week and then, you know, hope he's back healthy next week, provided Daniel Jones can't play. I know Jones is, you know, he's tough as nails. He's going to do everything he possibly can to play. But if it does turn out that he has a high ankle sprain, you you can't put him on the field and risk him. You just, there's just no possible way you can. Um, And that's a potential long-term injury too. If it's, if it's a bad sprain, we saw that with Saquon, you know, in recent years where he missed tons of time with, with a high ankle sprain. So that's a serious injury. Uh, the fact that Jones even was able to come back on the field and play at all is remarkable. Um, you know, then you look at the workouts and you got AJ McCarron who has no history with Dayball. Um, you got Jake Fromm. Who, I can't even say it without laughing, and that's not really that's not his own that's not his fault. That's a fault uh, of Joe Judge old, and, and the team last year. Um, but it's just such a sour memory for so many people. Back to back quarterback sneaks. I mean, give me a break, man. Poor Fromm that he's the one that's got stuck with that label. Um, but he does have familiarity with with, with uh, Joe Shane and Brian Dable and the offensive system. Granted, not Mike Kafka's wrinkles, but you know there is some level of familiarity there. Even if he gets signed, I don't necessarily believe that he's going to be the guy that gets thrown in there to start. I still think that's going to go to Davis Webb, which is interesting because when the Giants went to Fromm last year, they did so by passing over Davis Webb to start from. Give me Davis and Webb. Now here we are the next year, and it's the same scenario, just kind of twisted in the other direction and 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 that's kind of wild considering that you know joe judge and company made that decision last year taking those guys taken from away from dave all in the bills 
And now this year from being a free agent is getting the look from, from Dayball, who's now coaching the Giants. The NFL is a wild place, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Bean, right? The GM for the Bills. He, he was the one who drafted from. And <laughs> yeah. I think he was like their emergency COVID quarterback for a while. They left right. him on and, an and, island. And, and the like, added irony there is that the, the Giants drafted Davis Webb, who then eventually went to the Bills. So oh, geez, er, yeah. everything comes full circle. It's such a weird, like, matrix spider web of, of stuff there. But uh that's where the Giants find themselves now. Always. Uh, you know, at yeah. the quarterback position. You got two injured quarterbacks, number one and two, uh, injury prone quarterbacks, I, I mean, who are injured again. Um, and that's, you know, the irony is that's why the Giants, you know, signed Tyrod Taylor in the first place. But is there more of a hard luck quarterback than Tyrod Taylor? I mean, really, is there more of a hard luck quarterback than that guy? No, I think when you get stabbed by the team doctor in the in the in the chest, whatever, what happened to him with the Chargers? <laughs> Jesus, I know. Yeah, no. he got a punctured lung. Yeah, yeah, yeah while well, yeah. trying to get the cortisone shot. Yeah, he got he got stabbed in the lung. Uh, yep. trying to get yeah. So no, there Crazy. can't be a there can't be an unluckier uh, player than Tyrod Taylor when it comes to injuries. It's just he he is number one. Uh, the only thing missing from this entire equation is Mike Lennon. Why don't you just call him <laughs> yeah, geez, and, no. and complete god. the whole circle? You know? I did, oh my god, I, I have blacked him out of my life. <laughs> and now he's back in my brain. Thanks, Dan. That'll be rattling yeah. around all week. Uh, yeah, Fromm and Glennon. Good god. Jeez. Yeah, uh, so this is the segment where... Have you ever seen the movie The Prestige, Dan? It's a movie, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a movie about magic. Well, there's uh, one of the magicians is named the, the Great Danton, and I think that's what we got to call, start calling you in the third. <laughs> the Great Danton is going to tell us who we should bet on because I, I think you're, I think you're undefeated again this year. You did pick the Giants last week, right, Dan? You, I did. you had the Giants. You had the Cowboys over the Giants, and I, I'm trying to think back, but I, I don't think you've you've given poor advice. Those tailing Dan, the Great Danton, continue to make money. I know you have friends <laughs> that continue to make money based on your picks. Yep. This one's hard. This one's hard because you don't know who's playing quarterback. So I guess we have to assume Davis Webb is going to start and the Giants are eight point dogs against Green Bay in London. So which side are you on right now? I know it's not fair, Dan, but the great Danton, Abracadabra, you're going to do your thing. You should check out The Prestige. It's a good little movie, Dan. I, I like that movie quite a bit. Uh, so check that out some, some night when you're bored. But also, who you picking? Giants or Packers, the Giants I, are eight-point dogs. I think my dogs. pick would be the same even if Daniel Jones or Tyrod Taylor <laughs> were playing. It's going to be Green Bay, and they're, and they're going to cover the spread. I, you know, the, Listen, eight points may sound like a bit much, but in reality, the Giants could very well be without Leonard Williams again. It seems to be trending in that direction. Aaron Robinson is now on injured reserve. Um, they're banged up all over the place. Jeff Ward is a little nicked up, although he's going to play. Offensively, they could very well be without uh, Wandell Robinson and Kadarius Toney again. Uh, Kenny Galladay is not going to make the trip with a sprained MCL, so he's not playing. Uh, you know, the Giants are still struggling along the offensive line. There's there's just a whole slew of issues. Now you factor in the fact that they're going across the pond. They're doing a one-day trip and then returning to practice the next morning, which I think is crazy, but that's what the sports science says. Wow. Um, so there, there's a whole lot of different factors. And then on the other end, you've got Aaron Rodgers, who is like, I'm promising right now that I'm going to go out and play better offensive ball. We need to score 40 points. And listen, I don't doubt the guy. If he says they're going to go out and score and light up the scoreboard, then I fully anticipate they're going to go out and light up the scoreboard. And that's not necessarily a knock on Wink Martindale and his defense. I think their quality. Um, I just think that, you know, it's kind of a, like the Murphy's Law situation developing for the Giants right now, and that'll play out accordingly on Sunday. Yeah, what, which, you know, the Giants continue to win these ball games because the opposing team isn't really scoring a lot of points, right? And I think you have to expect that 
Green Bay is going to find a way to score in this game. It was interesting, though. I watched that game, the, the whole game between the Packers and the Patriots on Sunday, and the Patriots are down to their third string rookie quarterback. So yeah, there so, is that. Yeah. yeah, and Rodgers seemed really disinterested. You know, he wasn't really, you know, he wasn't really having much fun out there, Dan. And maybe it wasn't like exciting enough. He wasn't. He had played well, Tom Brady the week before. Yeah. They don't exactly have the best wide receivers. In no, the no, either, they don't. So it's a lot of running the football. You know, another team that's really running the ball, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, and then Rodgers kind of when he's, you know, not pouting because his receiver dropped a pass or something. <laughs> it's him finding the right mismatch in the big moments and making plays. But will the Packers win this ball game by 10? Probably. Probably. Yeah, it's, I'm it, going to say so. With all the injuries the Giants are dealing with and they're three and one, I guess it's a good time to go to London. That's what I'm saying. Listen, if you, there was you ever said a that throwaway game, this, yeah, you this said might that. as well be it, right? Like, this has got to be the throwaway game. Yep, you said that before and, we started recording, and, and yep. I couldn't And I'm not that. saying the Giants go out there and tank. They're very clearly not going to do that. But, you know, if there was a time for everything to go wrong, it may as well be right now. All right, mark it down. The great Danton has the, uh, the <laughs> Packers minus eight in London. So put that into your app and place your betting unit on the Packers in this ball game. Dan, good show this week, my man. Enjoy the enjoy some football on Sunday, all right? Hey, hopefully we come back with a surprise. I'm not banking on it, but you never know. I've said it before, I'll say it again. The Giants love to play up to their competition and down to their competition throughout history. So we'll see what happens. I don't have high expectations, but hey, this team has surprised everyone so far. So why not keep that ball rolling? Well, if they do win, if they beat Aaron Rodgers and they're four and one, People won't know where to put them on the power rankings. They already don't, Dan. But then the power right. rankings will come out on Monday, and you'll really have some fun. So I'll be watching your tweets for sure if they do win this game. That would Absolutely. be freaking hilarious if they did. Yes, it would. Yes, yeah. it would. Yeah, so, so great stuff as always from Dan Benton of the Giants Wire. Check his stuff out. His team does a great job on that site. And uh, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Again, hit subscribe if you haven't already. Tell a friend. We appreciate you listening to the show. We'll catch you next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.